Welcome back to the Grazia Life Advice podcast. Thank you for being with us. In this series, we speak each week to a woman worth listening to and get the six pieces of advice they live by and want to share with others. We also get right at the end a piece of advice they wish they'd never heard. This time, a businesswoman whose products almost certainly are a staple of your Friday nights in. My name is Cassandra Stavrou, co-founder of Proper Snacks, and I am here today on the Grazia Life Advice podcast. Proper sell more than 4 million bags of snacks a month and are the UK's biggest independent snack company. Cassandra is also a government advisor on food and drink, recently awarded an MBE for her services to the industry. Coming up, how watching her father get ill and pass away was a tough lesson on coping, even when things are really hard. He went through three years of unimaginable pain and treatment and it was a pretty traumatic thing to go through. But what I've gained from what I went through when I was 16 is this deep faith in my ability to be able to bear it, find a way through to survive and and most things we can get through. How she got over worrying about what other people think, thanks to some plain speaking from her mum. My mum sat me down as only mums can (laughs) and just said to me, who do you think you are? They're not going home (laughs) analysing and unpicking and thinking about everything you've said or done. They're lying in their beds at night worrying about their own shit, their own problems, their own issues. And an insight into the determination and grit required to get a successful food business off the ground. I had to be really resourceful. The first samples I made with a cement mixer and I was watching Top Gear and they were saying that the way that cars are sprayed is like the finest mist you can get. And so I got a car spraying kit online (laughs) and I used that to apply the oil. Tenacious, successful, compassionate. She's definitely a woman worth listening to. So here she comes, Cassandra Stavrou. I'm here with Cassandra. Thank you so much for joining me a couple of days after we've had lockdown two announced. So I'm sure you're so busy today. So thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, Despite everything, as you said, that's going on, it has been an early start today. But I'm really happy to be here. So thanks for having me. No, thank you. And how have you found um, 2020? I feel like we have to ask everybody at the beginning of these podcasts because it's been such an up and down year. I mean, as a business, as a person, you know, how have you found it all going through these ups and downs? God, it's like having to reflect back on sort of years versus months where it feels that way. Uh, January and February were great. (laughs) And then then March hit us and um, it's been the biggest test of leadership I've certainly ever experienced. I'm really proud of the way that the team and the company have reacted. And I'm also, I'd be lying if I, if I said that I wasn't deeply affected by what's going on around us and the kind of fallout from this uh, pandemic. But, you know, through all of that, I also still remain um, hopeful. And, you know, I know, I know there will be an end to this. And I think that's really important to say that we sometimes, you know, when you're in the midst of, especially right now, as we're facing a second lockdown, when you're in the midst of all of it, it can feel unending. And actually, um, everything will pass. (laughs) My mum always says to me, and so this too will pass. And, um, you know, we just need to stay focused and sort of bit by bit, really. But you, you actually sit on the government's food and drinks council as well. So 
you must be speaking to a lot of businesses about everything that's going on. I mean, how are other businesses finding it? I think, um, like all of us, it's the lack of certainty, the lack, lack of knowledge. Um, it's that unknown that makes people feel anxious. So my job uh, on the Food and Drink Council for Government is to represent the interests of startups and SMEs. Uh, we had our last meeting a couple of weeks ago, and as you can imagine, it was a pretty jam-packed agenda. So obviously, top of the list was the pandemic Underneath that was sort of upcoming Brexit and the threat of a no deal, followed by the agricultural bill and our food safety standards. And then lastly uh, was climate change and soil degradation. So there is a lot going on, particularly in the food industry at the moment. Mm. It's just about ensuring that we're all facing in the same direction and that we're also, you know, it's a very complicated industry and just making sure that we're all looking for as many practical solutions as possible right now. I think that's got to be the emphasis. Absolutely. Now we've got you here to run through your best advice. And I'm really interested because your first one, you've promised me that in context, this will not be as depressing as it sounds, but your first piece of advice is life is pain. Can you tell me, can you tell me about that? Yeah, I'm so sorry about that. It sounds... (laughs) The last thing anyone needs to hear right now is anything more depressing, but I promise you that there is some comfort in this. So life is pain um, is something that my mum once said to me and sort of has reminded me when things have got tough. And I appreciate it might sound bleak, but life throws at us all sorts of difficulties, you know, some small, that some that feel insurmountable. And the pandemic this year is a perfect example of that you know and it won't be the last time in our lives that we face challenges outside of our control and we've all grown up for the most part being told everything is okay but as I said life is fragile and what we're going through at both a health level physically and mentally and economically is we've just been given a very sharp reminder of that but at a collective level You know what's going on, obviously, people's businesses being destroyed overnight, life savings disappearing, people fighting for their lives in intensive care. And, you know, there's the legacy of youth unemployment and huge economic scars. And it's pretty despairing for a lot of people. And it's totally understandable that people are freaking out and drinking more and, you know, going through a really tough time. I was taught a very important lesson on personal suffering when I lost my father age 16 so he went through three years of unimaginable pain and treatment and it was a pretty traumatic thing to go through and I've actually blocked out a lot of it from my memory but the key lesson I've learned and so this is the bit that sort of hopefully provides some comfort is that in many ways find comfort in accepting that sometimes things aren't okay But what I've gained from what I went through when I was 16 is this deep faith in my ability to be able to bear it, find a way through, to survive. And and most things we can get through. Um, And this, in some ways, I think is quite liberating. So um, I feel really comfortable taking risk. Uh, It makes me a more positive person because... There's this acute acceptance I have that life can go horribly wrong and sometimes things outside of our control and that's okay and everything passes. So 
what we're experiencing now can feel unending, but everyone should take some comfort that this this will pass and it, it cannot last forever. I, I think that's really interesting because I think especially like at the moment, this year has been a lot about solutions. Like what can you do to make yourself feel better? Okay, you could have a drink, you could make nice food, you could go for a run, you could... Um, write a novel like you know all these things you could go on zoom with your friends check in with people all these things that you have to do to make yourself feel better but actually I think sometimes sitting with the pain is overlooked isn't it and thinking actually this is shit sorry that's all there is to say isn't there absolutely and like kids have got the right idea they sit down and they cry and they cry and they cry and they cry until you know it's really cathartic and they get it out of their system and I think we're too sometimes focused on trying to fix it the whole time. And as you said, sometimes it's okay to just freak out, feel really anxious, but just remind yourself that um, it will pass. And secondly, and this is the lesson that I learned, that don't underestimate our, our innate resilience as humans. We have an ability to get through almost anything and we will all get through this that's the one thing I do know. So could you give us your second piece of advice? Yes. So this is a simple question that I ask myself, which is, how does it make me feel? We all have to make hundreds of decisions every day, particularly in our jobs. And it's really easy to get into sort of decision paralysis, where you're either tick box ticking, um, or kind of going through the motions. And as humans we are creatures of emotion that's how we make decisions you know we put our feelings first typically and so when we create just remind yourself to create for an emotional response so when I'm um, thinking oh you know how should this look or what should our next bit of innovation be or what's going to land well with our consumers I always ask myself that question well how does it make me feel And if it doesn't stir something within me, how can I expect it to have any kind of response with anyone else? So it's a really simple question, but I always come back to it. How does it make me feel? And it just reminds me to not lose sight of what it's about. Yeah. And what was it about initially when you started proper? I mean, it's over a decade ago now. I mean, was it, I love this product and I want the world to know about it? I mean, what was it that made you feel you needed to start the business? It was, so I was working in Soho for an ad agency, sort of started my career, and I noticed at three o'clock every day there was that afternoon slump. This was before healthy snacking, so everyone would go and get a chocolate bar and feel a bit guilty, or they'd go and get like a rice cakes, which tasted like cardboard and, you know, get a chocolate bar anyway. And I just, um, I wanted to create a snack that was tasty and better for you. And I thought popcorn was so brilliant to start with. Everyone understands it. It's not super niche like black kale rice or, you know, whatever. And um, every story's got that moment of serendipity. And I went home and I told my mum about it. And she reminded me that the last present my dad had bought me was a popcorn machine. And so I'm not particularly fatalistic, but I was like, right, I always knew that, I, you know, I've always had that entrepreneurial itch and I thought, right, sod it, I'm going to quit my job and pretty much did the next day. I definitely had that gut feel. That was a big part of it and that sort of emotional response. 
Yeah. And how many employees do you have now? I mean, how many people work at Proper? So we are a team of 50. I was going to say based East East London on the canal, but not at the moment. Sadly, we are all dispersed yeah. um, across London. Um, but yeah, we're a team of 50. So how hard is it to you know, think about guts and feelings when you're thinking about, you know, 50 people's mortgages and rent and their jobs and things? Is that harder to do when you're the head of a company like that? It, it you don't want to be permanently in reactive mode. It's very easy to slip into just reacting to your notifications or your email or emails or whatever meetings you've got coming up that day. And if you're in permanently reactive mode, you won't, well, I, I certainly won't drive the business forward. And so I have to make sure that I properly carve out time in my day, in my week to be proactive, to think creatively. I'd say in the last couple of years, that is something that I've proactively tried to do. So block out, physically block out time in my diary to think, which actually neatly goes into my third bit of advice. But yes, you're it, right. It it really is about you. We have to um, carve out time to think, to be creative. I, I noticed that all the best ideas I was having were either in the shower or on an airplane. <laughs> and I realized that the common denominator with those two things in particular was I just wasn't being interrupted. And so creating proper time where you're not interrupted, where you can think is so important for progress and I love that you're say you say that that comes from Winnie the Pooh yeah yeah I loved Winnie the Pooh growing up um and there are some surprising life lessons uh Winnie the Pooh always used to say think 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 to Piglet and Steve Jobs actually famously said people who know what they're talking about don't need PowerPoint right so I don't know if you use PowerPoint oh, yeah. much in your <laughs> sort of day-to-day We've all sat through presentations that feel like they're just going through the motions. Yeah, like what I was saying before, you know, we've got to take the time to stop, think and truly understand what we're talking about and what we're doing. And it it really doesn't take long to suss out someone who's, you know, convinced of their position rather than someone who's sort of found some content to work onto PowerPoint. And it's something I talk to the team a lot about, which is don't go through the motions. Really think about what is the problem you're trying to solve? What's the kind Mm. of nub? of the thing that we're talking about there is information overload in the world at the moment it's really easy to it takes a second to repost something you've seen on social media there's so much opinion and commentary available um I think we all need to just take the time to really understand subjects better and more importantly, what's our yeah. take on them? Yeah, and actually think about what your take is rather than copying other people's. Do you go in for, do you charge your phone in the other room at night? Do you turn your phone off for an hour a day? Do you try and get away from those notifications or do you actually manage that? Oh, I mean, <laughs> yes and no in yeah. equal measures, you know. T- typically, like on a Sunday night, I was, you know, my boyfriend, right, that's it, no mm. phones in our rooms, all, all these good intentions and you know by Thursday yeah. it's all out the window again like god I'm, I'm definitely not perfect um but you've got to keep trying yeah. right <laughs> always keep <laughs> trying okay that's a great note to go into our break on I'm still here with Cassandra so let's go straight into your fourth piece of advice this is another 
seemingly bleak sounding one. Again, it doesn't, it's not meant to. So this is no one really yeah. cares. And this again came from my mum. I am someone who definitely cares what people think of me. Um, I'm always really envious of people who have reached that kind of nirvana state where they claim to not really give a shit about what anyone thinks. Um, I'm not one of them. Um, <laughs> and particularly in the earlier years of proper, when I was you know, trying to figure out what type of leader I wanted to be, I was suffering with insecurities about being a woman in business. You know, there's always concerns about falling victim to certain assumptions and stereotypes. And at one point it got quite bad. It was affecting my sleep. I was ruminating a lot and wasting time stewing over the wrong things. And my mum sat me down as only mums can (laughs) with complete candor and frankness and just said to me, who do you think you are? You know, they're not going home analyzing and unpicking and thinking about everything you've said or done. They're lying in their beds at night worrying about their own shit, their own problems, their own issues. You know, people care a lot less than you think. And she really pulled me up on it. And, you know, we often are comforted by friends saying, you know, I'm sure it wasn't that bad. But by almost embarrassing me, my mum exposed a really unhealthy self-analysis that was driving my anxiety at the time. And it's a really hard reality to accept. But by reminding yourself that, you know, no one really cares as much as you think. It can truly help you when you're ruminating over conversations or, you know, about relationships, work, personal life, whatever it may be. It just takes the edge off just by reminding yourself that. Yeah. Yeah. And you can constantly, can't you? You can think, oh, if I say this on, especially now in social media, you know, if I say this on WhatsApp or if I put this on Instagram, people are going to think it's embarrassing or basic or all these things go through your head when you're putting stuff out there. And meanwhile, you're just scrolling past everyone else's pictures, not really judging or thinking twice about it, are you? Yeah, exactly. And it, um, ruminating is really unhealthy mm. for us. It's not, you're not making progress when you're ruminating. You're just going round and round and round in this sort of unhealthy cyclical loop. Yeah. So finding ways to sort of cut it uh, is super important. Yeah. Mum's always the best for things like that. I Who know. else could say that to you? <laughs> Nobody. <I miss> <laughs> <laughs> um, your fifth piece of advice, I think, is one that we talk about a lot in 2020. I'm not sure we all do it. It's just to be kind. And, and tell me what that means to you in your position. Yeah, it's it's be kind because nearly everyone is grafting. Mm. And that's a big realisation that I had quite early on in my career. And I think the best way to explain this bit of advice is to tell you a quick story. Mm. Um, when I was trying to set up the company, I was doing lots of temp work and odd, odd jobs to get the first bit of funding together so I could register the company mm. and, and do the early bits one of the jobs that I got was at the Excel Center. It was a gambling conference. I didn't realize it at the time. I was handing out flyers and I got to the stand that I was going to be working from and they handed me this very unforgiving bright orange cat suit and they were selling secondhand slot machines. And so I went into the loo really begrudgingly sort of put on this catsuit I had my period at the time I felt awfully 
exposed and uncomfortable. And I, as I walked out the loo, I noticed in the mirror as I walked past that in massive black letters down the side of my body, it said refurbished slot. <laughs> and I was just like, <gasps> real low moment yeah. for me, mortified, felt so uncomfortable. And I, I guess the reason I'm sharing that is I think, I don't know why I would have been at a gambling conference, but had I been there and walked past a girl on the stand with refurbished slot down, down <laughs> her body, I'm ashamed to say it, but I probably would have been a bit judgy, yeah. especially you know, however many years ago. And I think the fact is that most people are just trying their best. Mm. Most people have responsibilities to whoever it may be in their lives. And I just try to my, remind myself everywhere I go that everyone is grafting mm everyone's giving it a go and everyone um, has their own particular circumstances going on. And so, yeah, I don't want to sound too sort of Jerry Springer, but be kind. (laughs) It's important, especially now. Yeah, especially now. And we're seeing, I feel like every week or so, we see these horrible stories about people who are working in supermarkets and doctors and people in restaurants just getting like abused because everyone's got short tempers, everyone's fed up, everyone's feeling angry but you know I mean that just doesn't help anything does it to not just try and recognize everyone's doing their best yeah it's um I was listening to Michelle Obama interviewing Barack have you heard their podcast they're so cute (laughs) and they were talking about the importance of community and that we've lost the art of caring about people on the street Mm and actually what has been a wonderful output of this you know, the past six, eight months of the pandemic is there has been so many examples of where, you know, neighbourhoods have looked out for each other a bit more and and done their bit. So it's not all bad. Yeah, (laughs) that's true. It's not all bad. Your sixth piece of advice is that the little things matter because they add up to big things. Can you talk about that and how that's affected you in your life? Yeah, so this is the, the, I really believe that the small things add up to the big things. It's been a value, a core value of proper since day one. So we have a set of values that we recruit and brief and act against that sort of are our compass. And I think anything that's really memorable usually has considered the detail. You know, there's touches of brilliance that adds up to something special. So from our product to our culture, our marketing, we obsess over those smaller things because they become our points of difference. And um, we all remember that meal or hotel stay where it's those little touches like the chocolate on your pillow or whatever it may be that creates memories. And it's, it's those moments that you sort of pour over the next day. And so um, it's business advice actually that I give a lot when I mentor um, startups and young businesses is just don't neglect the detail you know obviously it's important to get the core right but it's those little nuanced the you know the specific shade of color the fact that we use demerara sugar instead of normal sugar whatever it may be it all adds up I think that's probably really important in the in the world of startups because there is quite a lot of this idea of well, just do it. Just go for it. Just start. Just give something a go. But yeah, when it, when you are expanding out of business, I guess every little bit of thing that you do matters, doesn't it? Yeah. And 
just starting is so fundamental. You know, we're all armchair entrepreneurs. And so the difference between an armchair entrepreneur and someone who's started a business is literally, as you've just said, they've, they've started. So it's, it is that. And it's not about just pursuing perfection so that you slow down. But particularly if you're asking people to part with their hard-earned money, care about the detail because those points of difference do really make can often make the big differences can I ask you what it is that you love about mentoring them because it is quite a lot of effort everyone loves to say oh I mentor I I mentor but it's a lot of effort why is it that you like to do it it is overused as a term what's amazing actually over the past decade is there's never been more support and advice given to entrepreneurs which is is brilliant there's so many incredible tools out there I love mentoring or you know whatever you want to call it just spending time with people you know in the early stages of their business because firstly I was so lucky to get great advice um, from some brilliant people that were very generous with their time secondly I'm not that far from the starting line that I I feel like I can really relate and I feel like I can materially add value and that's so important but it's also it's not just transactional it's two-way I love it you know I love hearing about innovation and ideas and turning those ideas into a reality it's what I get the biggest kick out of it you know the fire in my belly is absolutely around that um so selfish too. <laughs> um, we like to finish on a piece of worst advice you've ever been given because, you know, it does reveal something. So tell us about yours. So when I was trying to get the business off the ground, you can imagine the world of manufacturing, particularly in the UK, sort of big burly men in industrial estates, lots and lots of no's in my face I had to be really resourceful that the first samples I made with a cement mixer and um, I was watching Top Gear and they were saying that the way that cars are sprayed is like the finest mist you can get and so I got a car spraying kit online (laughs) and I use that to apply the oil just loads of graft and you know you have to be resourceful loads of hard work and I you know nearly two years in you know trying to get it off the ground and I was so close. And I remember um, having a meeting with someone quite prominent in the industry who who knew the industry and the snacking environment very well. And he sat me down and said, Cassandra, the big boys are coming. Go and ask for your job back. Oh you know, that's the best bit of advice I can give you. You don't stand a chance. Go and ask for your job back. Oh. Um <laughs> You can imagine how that yeah. made me feel. So I cried a little bit. And then fortunately, I'm pretty stubborn. Mm. And so if anything, it just made yeah. me more determined. Um, yeah. yeah, thankfully, it, you know, we're, we're the largest independent snack company in the UK now. Yeah. You know, we're selling over 5 million bags a month. It uh, it was the right decision. Yeah. Do you see that person? Have you seen that person again and um, brought that up at all? I have done. <laughs> and I actually, to his credit, I did get an unapology. That's good. So, yeah. You know, I think in his own way, he was, he probably thought he was looking out for my interests, you know. And so interesting as well that he said the big boys are coming, you know, it's that kind yeah, of sexism, of like just so implicit in industry without even yeah, thinking. 
it's everywhere it's everywhere it's it's not you know we've got so much more we need to do I'm constantly sitting in meeting rooms and get asked about the recipe and then the commercial questions get directed to the man in the room it's it's so boring but you know I, I love surprising so use that to your advantage yeah yeah I love that that's a great way to end thank you so much Cassandra for being with us today thank you for having me it's been great to have Cassandra Stavrou on Grazia Life Advice thank you again to her for taking the time to chat as ever thank you also to you for downloading and listening this is our last episode in the current series so it is goodbye for now but we'll be back soon with more brilliant women and in the meantime keep telling your friends about us wherever you can Give us a cheeky review on your podcast player, which is always helpful. Or dig back into our huge back catalogue. Even in the latest series, we've heard from X Factor and I'm a Celeb star Fleur East, actress and model Poppy Delevingne, and queen of the multi-hyphen method, Emma Gannon. There's loads there. Just scroll back through the podcast feed and see what takes your fancy. So we'll see you very soon. <laughs>